Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Byrne, and today I'm joined by a man who has excelled in not one but two sports. He's also represented not one but two counties in Gaelic football, as well as boxing for Ireland at international level. Donald Ward worked as a prison officer at Clover Hill, being injured in the line of duty. He's since moved to New York, where he's boxed in the Golden Gloves final at Madison Square Garden, and is preparing for a rescheduled professional debut after his 2021 start was canned. Donald, welcome to the show. How are you getting on? Good, Kevin. Good. All good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Donald, when, when did your boxing uh, journey start? It's a family business for you, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've always been involved in boxing since um, my dad and my grandfather would have been the coaches of local club in Roscommon, Lachlan. Um, I've been there since I could remember and obviously started off like every young lad competing at 11, 11 years old. So, but I would have been training and bits of spars and bits of exhibitions when I was seven, eight, nine years old. So from then I've always it's been in the family since since day one for me. So yeah. What did you uh what was it about boxing that you enjoyed? Um yeah I really enjoyed kind of the competitive side of it. Like obviously obviously yeah I as you said I would have played a lot of speed or team sports on the way up and the individual side of it was competitive side of it where I, I really enjoy it. Um where obviously it's you and if you don't put in the work you're it's not gonna work. So I can Yeah. That's always been a t- attention between uh boxers who've played team sports and GA like so we had a recent guy on the podcast, Thomas Carty, rising heavyweight, and he put uh GA to the side because when it came to time to choose, 
he said he wanted to pick a sport where he could only rely on himself. And many years previously, Billy Walsh said he did the same thing. Whereas the Claret footballer, Keelan Sexton, he chose football over boxing because he preferred the brotherhood and the camaraderie of Gaelic football. Um, which which do you think you prefer? Yeah, so obviously that they're we all had them big decisions too, and probably come eighty or maybe nineteen, twenty years old, I had to make that decision too. And that's why right I just called him to Common senior team, and uh, like that, it was you're playing with good club or good club mates. And my time, my club at the moment was or at the time Western Gales, where um, we had five lads on the panel at that stage. So like that, you had the brotherhood and the gang of the lads. And so at that time, I kind of went with the went to the football for a couple of years with the senior team. Um, so yeah, that, that big decision had to be made at some stage, and uh, I went with football for the few years. Yeah, and, uh, but it, the boxing was always there too. I also did for the boxing to come back to it. So I probably never really left it fully, and I still try to do the football as well. So. Yeah, you're one of the few that did try to, you know, instead of making the choice, you made a choice for a few years and you did one and then you seemed to do another. And before you before you kind of focused on um, the intercounty football with Ross Common, what did you compete in at Irish underage level in boxing? Who who had you fought at that stage and what did you won? Yeah, so I would have, like, would have fought all the way up. I would have won most years. I would have won the Connacht Championships, um, competing at the stadium at the national levels. I won four All-Ireland titles. I won a boy, a youth. A junior and intermediate. I think they're all they're named a bit different now. I think there's cadets and there's different things going on. There's senior, I think it is. Um, but yeah, I would have fought like who, like uh like Johnny Joyce, John Joe Joyce, kinda I fought him in a junior final maybe a year after year before, year after he won the thousand eight Olympics. Um he beat me I was that bit younger, he beat me that year, and then I won them the following year. Um but yeah, I would have trained with a lot of like kind of boys that kind of turned pro later on in the thirties or whatever. Um, like the Luke Keeler, I would have fought him. I would have those Ward brothers from Galway. I would have won a lot of national titles all the way up. I would have fought a lot of them. That's um, how I'm thinking. Uh, like the Ray Moylet, I would have trained with him a good bit, and obviously he was lighter on me. But I would have trained with him a good bit and travelled to Dublin to squad training and high performance training together a lot. Um, yeah, that's a lot of kind of names I've been around the boxing scene in a good while, and I mm. still see them around. They're, they're involved in different clubs and training our young lads on as well. So it's amazing how it goes full full circles. So. Yeah, boxing boxing's a tiny, really sport. And when you look back at maybe the uh, the competitors, it could be from an under twenty one tournament back in two thousand seven, and you kind of you weren't there. Well, for me, like I mightn't have been there. But you'd still know 75% of them because they're all professionals nowadays. Everybody seems to have, a lot of people seem to have stuck with it from that generation of 10, 15 years ago and are all doing quite well now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You see a lot of names kind of popping up still going pro. Um, but yeah, like, like back then it was so competitive. I, I presume the underage structure is still the same in Ireland, but I used to find that like you go sparring to a random club like an hour away or whatever from home and you get the best bar and you wouldn't have to go much further. Like you get the mm. best bar around. It's some great clubs back then. Like so. when you, uh, when you threw your lot in with Ross Common, like yeah, they were, they were a common team. Ross Common had some great players. You won the under 21 footballer of the year award in Ross Common, I think in 2009. And, uh, 
there's some great players coming up with that team and you had obviously the likes of Fergie O'Donnell managing the team, John Evans, and there was a lot of optimism for the years ahead. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, that only one team, it was actually the minor team in all six that had won the All-Ireland. I wasn't part of that team, I was boxing at that time, but um, the only one team, there was a lot of hype about that team and actually Mio pipped us after extra time, I think it was, in in uh, a crazy game. It was, <laughs> it was one of the highest scoring games, iconic games there ever was. But um, after that, yeah, after that, then it was called Insta Senior Panel. And um, yeah, John, or Fergal was that time. Fergal brought me in the end of 09 and they won the Connex 2010. I didn't play much the first year, but 2011 then was probably my first real year playing senior, playing league and championship. Um, yeah, we like we had a good run. Championship didn't go overly well for us. We didn't get back to, we got back to a kind of semi-final a few times, but league was good. And then John Evans came in and we kind of went from division four to division one there in the space of maybe five years. So in my time there, it was more, we done well in the league and we kind of, kind of climb the ranks in the league rather than develop or go further in the championship play. Well, like Ross Common obviously had a golden crop at underage. I remember the 2006 final. I think I think it might have been I remember I remember Ross Common, I think was it win the semifinals on the day that Mayo beat Dublin in the uh in the All Ireland semifinals with the Kira McDonald points and stuff. And it was a great Ross Common team. But you came up you're unlucky at senior level that you, you came up at the same time as a great Mayo team. Quite a dominant Mayo team came along because in that under-21 match that you spoke about, you would have faced a lot of the Mayo lads, the generation you're playing now today. The lads have gone on to kind of, unfortunately, lose about 36 All-Ireland senior finals. But like the likes of Aidan O'Shea were playing, uh, Lee Keegan, all these boys were were at your age group as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it would have been all my um, my age group. Yeah. I remember um, 2011, I think it was 2011, Connick final. Hmm. Uh, I think it was Killian Connick's first year. And the videos in the Connick final in a wet day in Roscommon and I think he was on the freeze that day and I think he he couldn't miss that day and I think we only lost by a point or two so yeah those boys have been and you have to handle them too the dedication and commitment they've put in over the last few years they're unlucky not to win Ireland yeah I remember Killian O'Connor kicking into the wind he was I think he might have been only 18 or 19 at the time and um, a difficult freeze he won them he won them the match I think Mayo won by two points that day yeah yeah I remember it was a tough adversaries I'd say as well um was it? I'd say they were tough adversaries as well because that the Mayo team were, you know, strong running, quite physical as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But like you can see, there's a reason why they were the, they're still going and still at the top. They've put in a huge amount of work over the years, and they're probably lucky enough to have a good group of players that kind of drove everything on. And a young lads that came in, they kind of kept going. So, yeah, um, interesting to see they get back this year again. Well, they're supposed to have Killian O'Connor back in the team after regaining full fitness, but a lot of the boys, like you say, are on the road a long time. Uh, be interesting to see these. They've lost another couple of players. They'll lose another couple of players in the close season, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, but they, they seem to be bringing a good crop through as well. Like if you watched the final there recently, Ryan O'Donoghue is becoming a quite a dominant player, and uh, another former boxer actually I was noting so the Tyrone captain, Pora Campsey, former boxer, and. Um, Ryan O'Donoghue, a former boxer as well. Both of them at good level as well. So Very fantastic with yeah, yeah. those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I didn't actually know that now, but uh, like a lot of kids growing up, they um usually if they're good at one, they're good, they're good at a few different sports and they're they're that bit better kind of if they're playing at different sports at high level. Um until they have to make that decision. But like that, I'm sure the boys 
has he done it? If they made a decision, they'd be they'd be successful at boxing too. If they if they went the boxing route, mm. yeah. I, I, some of them have gone into. I, Jamie Condon was telling me that he read as a small footballer that Michael Owen had previously taken up boxing in order to get stronger to kind of look after himself a bit better on the pitch. So that was his route into boxing, I suppose. Like while Michael Owen went back to football, Jamie went on to kind of box for world titles. Um, yeah, but that's yeah. yeah. So at, at what stage did you decide to kind of to leave the Roscommon setup or was it your decision and take back up boxing? Because you're back and you're you're boxing in the Irish Elites again in 2014 and also yeah. the World Police and Fire Games in 2013. Yeah, so I joined. Um, so we played Roscommon from 2010 to 2015. Um, 2013 then I joined uh, the prison service and I got back into boxing there. There was a good guy in where I worked. Paul Dunn was his name. Uh, he worked in Mount Joy. He was big into the boxing. So he kind of, and it was the first year that the World Police and Fire Games they were on that year in Belfast. Usually they're held in America or across across Europe. Um, so he was eager to get someone to go. And at the time, there was only myself. I was only one kind of boxing, the head box at um, a decent level in the prison service. And he was eager to get me going. So I thought I'd train for that. It was 2013. Yeah, I had a problem. I had a, I had a hip surgery. In the start of 2013, so I missed a good bit of the league of with Roscommon, and uh, I just wasn't right for a championship. And usually, when I rush back over my five years of Roscommon, usually when I rush back from an injury, I'd always break down again. So that year, I was kind of I went back to the club, a little played a little bit of the club, and I was training at the boxing with with the prison service. And uh, that was August 2013. Then I went to the World Police Safari Games, and. Um, so the 2014 elites in were the following year. So I kind of kept training after that, for the boxing. And like that, as you were saying earlier, you, you don't lose the age for the boxing. So once I got back to training and I was loving it, and I said, why not go for the elites um, the following year then? So I was still kind of doing both. In 2013, I remember we were training and I'd be sparing the next day and then we'd be back training the next day. And I was probably doing, <laughs> trying to do two of them at high level. Then 2013 started at 14. Um, but like that, I always wanted to go back. I always wanted to go back and do the elites, and kind of regret not doing a few more of them. But um, it was just good to get back, get back to fighting against the top guys again. Did it ever? I'm sure. The, I'm sure the boxing trainers might not mind that you training with Ross Common because they're thinking it lets him get fitter. He's he's better on his feet. But at the same time, the GA coaches tend to be a bit, um, bit more tyrannical from what you hear over the years with you know all the bands they introduce. Did any of your GA managers ever say? you can't do this like this is you know you're you're in with us or you're doing nothing you're either in or you're out like yeah yeah no in fairness i suppose it was that time of year it was okay it was a bit different it was the middle of the summer but um i remember yeah just the end of 2013 so january 2014 just before the elites um i could oh, i'd be coming into football training and it's a black eyes and nose would be swollen just from sparing and john evans like never never said anything he was just he kind of admired me that I was doing both and that I that my football didn't drop like so. Um, but no, he, he never had a problem. I suppose like because it was just more preseason training and we were doing a lot of running and stuff. It didn't really yeah. affect the, the football football side of it. But it could be a different story if it was the middle of summer and getting ready for a championship game. But did did you ha- as a defender? Did you have a bit of the dog in you? Like as a fighter, did were you did you find it you were more aggressive than other other defenders around the place, or just the same as everyone else? Um, probably a club level. 
club level probably a little bit yeah I'll be kind of more more tense about it but uh no county level they're all like all the guys are top 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 uh competitors like so they're gonna you're not gonna last if you don't have that age with you so. Winning those uh, world fire and police uh, games, like that must you must look back on that as one of your career highlights. I suppose maybe something that you weren't aiming for previously, but once it came along and you won them, it's something to look back on. And uh, I suppose the Ulster Hall as well, such a famous uh, boxing venue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. It. it was a week. We had two fights. It was well, I got a buy in the first fight. It was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We were meant to be fighting. I fought Wednesday and Friday, but um, oh, it was a great week up there and it's great. Uh, it's great, uh, great atmosphere around. Like you meet so many people around. And I fought a guy from India uh, in the final, and like the next morning we met, we had coffee, and I met him in the cafe, and we like chilled out, and it was cool. Yeah, but uh, I, it was it was actually a great trip because I I joined. Uh, I was only one from the prison service, but I teamed up with the the Garda boxing team, and um, Dave O'Brien and Dave Conlon were involved in there. So it was actually great to get back with Dave Conlon. Dave Conlon actually fought with my father. My my club at home locked in with my dad, maybe fifteen years before that. So it was good to kind of get back and hang around with him for a little bit too. That was good. Yeah, and um, when you entered the elites, you entered into the eighty-one kg category. At that stage, it was the domain of another ward, Joe Ward. He dethroned Kenny Egan in twenty eleven, and he was the dominant guy. That was, I suppose, that was the guy you were aiming for at the top, and uh, that was the guy you're going to have to dethrone yourself if you're going to actually win the championship but it was also a category that had other good competitors as you found out when you fought Matthew Tinker in the uh, semi-finals in 2014 yes absolutely yeah um, I suppose like looking back 81 I was probably at the wrong weight like I'd be usually middleweight 75 um, so it was a combination of the football and I was kind of gymming a good bit at that time too so I was probably struggling to make 75 um, I actually remember I was sparring Darren O'Neill in the build up to that and he was wondering what he was doing and he was going to go 75 and I was thinking will I go 75 or 81 or will I try and at the end then I just decided to go at 81 but um, yeah there's actually only three in the way there's only me, Matt and Joe and uh, luckily I avoided Joe and I was <laughs> at the time as you said that time Joe was Joe was on fire still is obviously but um, yeah myself and Matt had a good fight um, it's actually funny then I, I kind of met up with Matt here then after that he, he was living in New York when they moved over and we got um, it was good to get back training with him too so that's good yeah there's an interesting parallel there like he did the Golden Gloves you did the Golden Gloves he's turned pro and now you might end up eventually going pro in a similar route to him via the kind of Boston boxing promotions and maybe some of the contacts he's made can help you at the start of your career but we'll, we'll yeah. get to that we'll get to that in a couple of minutes yeah um, um, yeah yeah it was good to kind of go back kind of like as you said from the very start you'd look back at lads you fought years ago and the boxing community at home is very small, but I feel like you don't forget you don't forget the guys you met or who you hang out with. It's one yeah. special thing about Irish boxing. Really. At that stage, I suppose though, if you're if you're choosing between seventy five kilos and eighty one, the football is unfortunately it's it's worked against you because you can't get down to your fighting weight because you have to maintain a bit of uh, physical bulk in order to be competitive in Gaelic football. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So like, and that was the reason I had to go eighty one, but like, I, I ideally like. To do two levels, to two two sports at the top level is very very difficult. Like, um, I like that at the age was there, and I just wanted to give it a go. And if I didn't do it, I'd regret it because I was I was in that good shape, and I was back sharp after winning the world police and fire games. So in in 2015, you were working in uh, Clover Hill. Clover Hill, you were uh, still playing GA with Ross Common. 
and uh, you played a couple of championship matches and uh, you got injured in the line of duty. What, what happened? Yeah, it was probably the worst time. And it was right in the middle of football championship. We, we had just played London. We were over in London. We played London um, two weeks before that. And there was just an incident. There was two, two boys fighting. And obviously, like, you have to, <clears throat> you can't let them keep fighting. So you have to step in. And there was just an incident that kind of damaged my shoulder a little bit. Um, I didn't like, I obviously didn't think anything of it. And after I was in, like, when everything calmed down and we were doing the paperwork, whatever, we, um, those shoulders didn't feel right. So I just went to the, went to the hospital with the x-ray. Um, thankfully there was nothing serious wrong, but, um, it just kind of blew up. It was, it was all over the media and different things the following day. And there was nothing really wrong. I, I know I didn't train. That was Sunday morning. It happened. I didn't train on Roscommon on Tuesday, but I trained the following Thursday, which was 10 days before we played Sligo in a championship game. Um, but no, I wasn't, the injury wasn't as bad as the media made out to be, but it was just, uh, obviously it wasn't nice to be, the whole of it wasn't really nice, but what happened, but. It, was the injury as a result of you being assaulted or was it because did you just like fall out, you know, I suppose fall or come up against, come up against something or, or what, how did the injury come about? Yeah, no, it, it was, it was just that we had split up, split up. Like there was obviously there was two guys fighting and then a lot of people got involved. We, um, we just split things up. Like there's obviously a lot of commotion and like you're pulling and dragging and it's just like kind of damage your shoulder, but obviously didn't know. If one person did it or if it was myself or if it was in the heat of the moment, you don't really, it's hard to figure it out. But um, no, it wouldn't be that I was assaulted, assaulted, but it was just that I was breaking up a fight, basically. It's probably the sort of incident you, you saw a lot of. It's just that this time you ended up having to get a little bit of medical treatment as well. Yeah, unfortunately, it's most of the time it's okay, but obviously there's different situations and it's not easy. It's not an easy job. Like it's, it's, People think, oh yeah, it's it's handy, it's great, but there's a lot of stuff you have to deal with. And probably for me, like 2015, I ended up leaving the job obviously after. Um, but I didn't. It would get you like I didn't really. I don't know how would you say it. Like it didn't. It wasn't good for you mentally. I, for me, you know, I thought I thought I was ready for this, so it was probably a better move for me just to just to leave. So. I was gonna say, who is. Who are the people telling you that they think uh, being a prison officer is a handy job? <laughs> it's it's funny. You hear that a lot at home. It's like, oh, it's a safe job, a secure job, pension and different things. I was, uh, it wasn't for me anyway. So. How, how long did you spend in, in, in the job uh, in total? I done uh, nearly five years. I right. started in 2012 and then, yeah, then 2012, I started 13 and then I finished 2016. Yeah, and I'd say, um, so you said it was impacting you. It wasn't exactly uh, a career you saw a long-term future for yourself. In. And I suppose it was the injury that kind of led to that, led to that decision of ultimately being made. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, um, it was tough. Like, cause obviously you, I was based in Dublin. I was traveling up and down to training and like you're sitting in the car, you're, you're on your feet all day training or in work and you're sitting in the car, then up and down and recover from injury. And then, you're not getting the full rest and full sleep and it's a tough job because there are 12 hour shifts and you have to try and arrange to get time off work and you're rushing down the road then down to, to Roscommon. So, uh, no, I'd done it for three years like that with Roscommon and I just kind of 
Sultanate Gaeva had to. So I actually joined. I actually joined, in 2015. I joined Kilmacud Cross in Dublin for a year, and uh, I took the pressure off. Obviously, once the once the Roscommon were finished, um, I enjoyed that because it wasn't the pressure of racing down the road for club football. But, yeah. Um, no, it was just kind of a thing. I thought about it maybe for two years about leaving it. And then, 2016 then I just and like obviously you can you can handle yourself you're a you're a top boxer you're putting yourself into competitions where you could end up fighting Joe Ward like and you you know you're you're fighting in a international tournaments all over the world and you can handle yourself but at the same time there are still situations you come come across day to day that are that are frightening like it is would that be fair to say there are there are a lot of scary situations that you have to deal with ah yeah absolutely like it's never that's one thing about that job there's never no two days were the same. Like you didn't know what was going to happen at any time. So, and obviously, like we're all there's a lot of big guys and tough guys and strong guys, but like it's a different. It's not just about physical strength. You have to be able to deal with interact with people and um, it's like it's a really tough mentally side of it. Like you have to be, as I said, nothing, nothing, no two days are the same. Anything could happen any time. So you don't know how anyone's going to react or. If there's like a fight or weapons or anything about like, you know, it's different. It's a bit different out than sparring or <laughs> moving around the ring. <laughs> yeah, that's fair to say. How'd your time at Croaks go? It must, it must have obviously been a nice respite, not having to do all the traveling as well. So, and Croaks every year have a, have a great team. Yeah, yeah. It was really, um, yeah, I enjoyed it because it was obviously, I, I was only living maybe a mile away from Trail. It was great. Um, <clears throat> that's one thing I probably enjoyed the most. Um, but all the guys were great and it was great. Amazing club, like amazing group of players. And I remember we got bet. Ali Bowden beat us in the kind of second round. And then I think they went on and won that Ireland. So like it was, it was just competitive. I think when I played, the team I played that day, I think the 15 that started had played for a county team at some stage. Uh, we can record. So that's the level you're talking about. It's good. Yeah. Good Dublin players and, and international recruits such as yourself from all over Ireland. That's it, yeah. The few guys around, yeah. Good. And uh, like you got a good probably insight into the Dublin lads at the time. Um, so not only were you did you have to in Connacht come up against the dominant Mayo team, Dublin were starting to dominate the All Ireland series as well. What did you make of the lads seeing them up close? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, as I say, like as club football in Dublin is probably obviously it's probably one of the best round, but um, just all competitive. Like, but even those, I remember playing with some guys and they're like they never played for Dublin and they were. They'd walk onto any Roscommon team, like so. It's obviously Dublin. They've proven what they can do, but they have a huge pick and a huge, huge amount of talent in Dublin, which is um, which is done right too, because the club is I know from Kilmarnock Cross and that probably other clubs too that they do everything right, like the underage structure, they've loads of health, they've obviously they've loads of players, um, but it's obviously paying off when they win six hundred irons in a row. At what stage was it uh, up sticks and moved to New York and what spurred the decision? Yeah, so that was the year or thousands, yeah, thousand six, fifteen or seven with Kimberly Cox. I was sixteen in I went tried to go back to Roscommon. Um I played I, I was doing the preseason at the end of the year and uh just never could never get going again. I picked up a knee injury, shoulder injury, and a few different things that happened in 2015. And uh so I was sixteen then I I was the job was the decision probably. I kind of had enough for the job, and I wasn't playing Roscommon. And my girlfriend at the time, she was living in Dublin. She was from New York, and uh, she kind of said, well, "Why don't we go for the summer?" And I said, "Sure, look, we'll give it a go." And I got in touch with a club, football club over here, 
um they set me up for the summer to get me a job and accommodation and um um i played football over here with them for the summer but yeah i had a few kind of what was it like we went yeah we came for three months obviously the holiday visa is three months and Katie, my wife, she is on, or my partner, she was on about, um, she wanted to stay then. She enjoyed it being home and hadn't seen her parents and different things. So she stayed. I came home then to finish the football championship with my club at home. At the time, you could get a summer kind of sanction where you'd play in New York for someone and go home, finish with the club. So I played the club at home that year. And uh, I was going to wait till Christmas and maybe come out again. And I think two weeks after we got back in the championship in September, I had a flight booked to come back again. So. I wasn't going to stay at home for, I wasn't working like a full-time job and football and boxing were, were quite, so I said, I just can move over and, and haven't looked back since. So it's, Yeah. Well, uh, so your girlfriend, you're lucky that your girlfriend was already from New York. So you kind of had an in, it wasn't like moving over blind either, even though as a GA playing boxer, you never would have been moving to New York blind anyway, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. That's why one thing, great thing about New York is they all look after each other like, uh, and I didn't realize it, but even now, if someone's like, I have a lot of boys that kind of contact me from my club at home or, oh, I'm coming out of a country summer and straight away I have someone to put them in touch with and get them a job, as you said, in a bar or in um, construction or set you up to the club. And hopefully things came back to normal next year and that's going to come back out again because that hasn't been coming the last few years. So. What was your first, first bit of work out there? You said now that just before we came on online that you were, uh, you're working in a bar three nights a week. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Katie, my, my partner's father owns a bar out here. <clears throat> so I joined, I said, sure, look, we know how to learn, learn what to do. I had no idea. No, I know. I, I didn't know the difference between vodka and gin. I, <laughs> I sat from the bottom. I had no idea, but, um, and I'm still there. So <laughs> I didn't think I was going to be still here, but, um, I'm just in the door from working the same bar. It was four years ago. So I'm resisting the the urge to say something about being behind bars. It's just like uh, your your old job, but it's a different <laughs> one. But uh, yeah, slightly different. Now. What was it? What was it in New York that got you? Uh, was it boxing or Gaelic first? Because you played for New York, I think, in the 2018 championship. And is that is that right? Yeah. Um, so that 2017 summer, I was over. I played football. I played with Kerry over here, and um, so usually like. So there's a lot of lads that would come for a year. They'd get like a grad visa and different things. So they qualified to play for New York then. And then obviously I was moving over and I had, I had planned on staying. So the, the New York invited me in training in November then. So basically like it's kind of, like obviously the pick is small here. Um, if you're interested in playing in New York, they're going to have a look at you like. So we were all brought in maybe October, November time. And then we were starting training. So. Um, but yeah, obviously there was a bit of hype that year because we had a lot of high profile lads over and no offense to Leitzram, but Leitzram, it wasn't Galway or Mio or Scotland that were coming. So mm-hmm. we, um, it was kind of that bit of, uh, it was expectation there. Yeah. Definitely. Like I remember well, like there was, you had the, the Mayo stall where Tom Kniff playing and, uh, you were playing as well and a number of other good players. But then I guess it all went uh, crazy because you had the Arma Maestro phenomenon jamie clark has come and gonna play for new york and and as, as you put jamie clark in any team in the you can put him in the kilkenny team put him in any team the london team and you're going to give them a chance to win a championship match i guess against uh 
the likes of Leitrim or you know someone someone else maybe a Sligo or whatever. So it looked like New York had it had it down. And I suppose when you have players the likes of yourself and Kniff and Jamie Clark, probably the whole standard rise among everybody as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, obviously, says Jamie, like Jim, when Jamie came, everyone kind of said, right, this is it. This is our, if we're ever going to do it, it's going to be this year. Like, mm-hmm. so. But no, with some great players. We had um, there's a guy there, Luke Kelly. He's actually still out here. He would have played on off the Offaly team for a while. With, uh, Neil Collins would have played with Ross Common. He was, um, me and him were in the full back line with Tom Kniff. Vinny Cadden would have played in goal for Sligo. He would have played in a few Connick finals at home. Um, yeah, it was a right good team. Yeah, it was. Um, obviously, the way the game went, it was couldn't get much closer. But it's um, yeah. reading the RT headline: Leitrim escape from New York, one point win after extra time, agony. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, and we were in great position. We we pulled it back level, and then extra time. I think we went two or three points up in extra time, and the crowd was amazing that day. And I think at Croft Gaelic Park. I think it holds maybe six or seven thousand. I think there was nearly ten thousand people that day. You know, it, was, it was just bananas. But um yeah, couldn't go much closer. And I just remember the last kick of the game. They just followed this. We couldn't stop them. They just got the run on us from the from our own back our own full forward line and had the overlap the whole way and just popped it over. But. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Had you, had you traveled um, to New York? I remember New York, Ross Common played against New York in New York. Was it about 2006 or seven? Had you traveled over for that, for that one as a fan? I remember all of Ross Common seemed to go to that match. Yeah, that was uh, 2016. Yeah, oh, 16. Was, was, but there was there was another. Uh, maybe I think I've got the wrong years. Did you travel over in 2016 with Ross Common? So no, I actually wasn't. I wasn't playing Ross Common that time. I I played the start of 2016. 2011, I went over. I played Ross Common. So that was my first championship game actually. In 2011, it was against New York. Um, yeah, and that was, <laughs> was actually a bit of pressure on that game too because we had played. We were in Division Four. Um, league that year and Longford beat us in the Longford beat us in the league final Park two weeks before we were going to New York and then I remember the media at home and Aspen Land and he, he was actually saying he wouldn't be surprised if New York beat Roscommon and we were over we were we were obviously up for it and it was uh, we, we beat them well we beat them by 20 points or something but um, 2011 yeah there's a big crowd over that year too yeah that's the one I was thinking of, I think. Um, but there was a, obviously a massive buzz in 2018, like you say, 10,000 people in the area. And uh, the place was the place was on the up. It's as good as New York have been in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we really put in a big effort. Like the, I think for that year, they made an effort to train earlier. So usually they don't start till the start of the January or February, maybe. And the games in May. But I remember we were training before Christmas. Like, so we... Um, Obviously, so Justin Hatter was the manager at that time. He's um that was his last year. I think he was gonna be he put everything into it. And obviously when Jamie was here and a few extra high profile boys, we were um 
we everyone everyone bought in like everyone went out of it. So yeah, uh, has co- has COVID nineteen kind of ruined it all? I know New York GA has really struggled in that time, or certainly did at the start. Um, but at the same time, they've been trying to introduce a more native player, a US born Gaelic footballer. So maybe it will help a new dawn, maybe fewer Irish intercounty players coming over to play, but the lads there will get more of a chance to play in the team. But I suppose there's then fewer top level championship matches that they can play in as well. There has been in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know some clubs have struggled now to keep keep the clubs alive. And I'm involved in the club here at Lamford. We were all would have been all the senior and yeah, she went down junior last year because didn't the manager himself he was he was playing and the older boys that would have played years ago just to keep the club alive. But so no Irish lads coming over has um has hurt clubs that way. But but then again, the senior championships the last senior champions the last two year, um Barnabas are all American born kids and they've won the championship. So it's great for them and it's great to build build the underage structure for for native born clubs. So down the line, it'll be interesting to see will they compete, will they have to compete at with teams coming over from Ireland. But at the moment, it's good. It's been good. The pandemic has been good for them boys and them clubs to to really to really focus on their own players. So. Mm. Yeah, so you're following a few footsteps when it comes to the boxing career over in New York. Obviously, you're working in a bar, making connections like uh, like John Duddy and James Moore did before you. And I know you've been talking to James Moore about your budding professional career. And then you met your old uh, amateur adversary, Matthew Tinker, and he'd entered the Golden Gloves and gone professional as well. So you've kind of followed in a few different footsteps. What was it that drew you back into boxing over there and entered the Golden Gloves? Yeah, um, obviously the boxing scene here is huge. Like you've so much history and so many professions here. It's like you go into a gym, there could be 15 or 20 professions. You wouldn't even know them. Like they're some top, top guys. Um, but yeah, when I got back, when I got over here, maybe after the 2018 football with New York, I didn't really play much football that summer. I kind of wanted to take a break. I was doing like, I hadn't stopped. Like I, I came over here and I went straight into football with the club and then New York. So I kind of enjoyed that summer and kind of got in touch in with, uh, Met up with Matt, Matt over here, and he was training the New York Athletic Club. Him and uh, Brian Glynn, <clears throat> me and him would have fought in the, that night in the garden. Um, so we they were training the New York Athletic Club, and just kind of get just going back first, kind of moving around training. And uh, that was maybe October, November time, and then the gloves in they started in April or February, and they go on to April. So kind of that winter, I kind of kept training for them, and um, I was glad to. Glad to that too. Obviously, there's lost so much history there too. So. Yeah, what was your experience like in Madison Square Garden? Yeah, uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was. Um, so the way that tournament works, it starts in February and it finished the final. The finals were in April, so I actually only won my semi-final maybe two or three weeks before the final. So like, I wasn't guaranteed to be there. Um, semi-final was actually in my my club, New York Athletic Club, and um, that last year was great. And then. <clears throat> So we, in the build-up to the final, then obviously a friend of mine, he works in the Madison Square Garden. He comes to the bar a lot. He um, So he held us a block, t- a block group of tickets. So we started selling tickets from the bar, just for our names down. And we sold over like four, <laughs> four partner Katie. She was under pressure that week. It's hard to know tickets. But uh, we we had everyone sitting together. So we had 200, 200 250 people that we sold from the bar and then there's yeah, probably yeah. another 200, 200 tickets from GA GA circles so great places bananas and my fight was 
I was like the 23rd fight maybe and I went on and on it, they, they were way behind schedule and uh, I remember the few boys that had come over from Ireland to watch it and they um, they'd been on the go like to get in and maybe 5 or 6 a.m. Friday morning and this was nearly 1 a.m. Saturday morning and they were still hanging on and they were had a few beers in them and they, uh, they had the best time of their life too so they often say to me say when are we going back when are we going back so but no that atmosphere was great and um, it was a tough fight I thought I oh I did enough like I thought maybe looking back now the first <clears throat> first round I probably started too slow second round in I definitely thought I won it and the third round the ref I don't know it was just turned into a wrestling match me and him and the ref lost control of it and it was very messy the last round but, um, but look it was close it was close fight and I could have went either way and obviously the fight there was, was amazing I suppose it, but the professional boxing is an industry it's all about selling tickets and having an imprint having a name being able to generate publicity about yourself it seems like a natural that you could have you could have gone in straight away as a professional and did that light the candle that 2019 Golden Gloves say it's time and maybe were you stopped by COVID and stuff like that or how, how did yeah. it go for you? Yeah so decision to go pro then was th- that year 2019 I was kind of waiting we actually went traveling we went traveling for three months at the end of the year um, went to New Zealand, Australia, which we're lucky to get, lucky to get that in because we wouldn't do it now. But, um, when I came back then in 2020, or 2000 and, yeah, 2020, I, um, the gloves are starting up again. And I was like, I had the kind of itch to go back and kind of go for it again and try and win them. And I'd actually got a bite in the first fight, maybe start in March. Then my second bite in COVID stopped everything. So that tournament was cancelled. But, uh, then I got in touch saying I was in, I actually went up to one of Matt's fight, I think his fight in Boston, met the promoter and he was interested in working with me. Um, so we had a fight scheduled for July. And uh, so up in Boston, up in New Hampshire, it's like north of Boston. It was maybe four or five hours from, from um, four or five hours from New York. So it was all going well. I had all planned and I strained away and uh, just didn't work out then. He was, <clears throat> I kind of lost touch with the promoter. He wasn't kind of, been straight up with me about different things so kind of decided to pull out um but since then as i kind of took a break then again since then i've been training which i mentioned john duddy i've actually started training with john duddy a couple of weeks ago he's training fighters now he um i think the pandemic has changed his career path too so he's gone he's training fighters now and we started training a couple of weeks ago and james me and james James and John and me are we'll be working together and we're hoping to get a fight at the end of January, Saturday, February. And it'll be, right. be in New York. It'll be nearer to here. So. That's like uh, New York Irish boxing royalty right there as a team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's great. It's great to meet up with John. and um, He's we're just getting used to each other now these couple of weeks. And from the next couple of weeks, we'll be hoping to... to how's, John as a, how's John as a trainer? And how would you describe your style as well? Because... You know, a lot of people would have heard maybe about your fights and, you know, the Golden Gloves and stuff like that, but still mightn't have seen you in action. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously the style over here is like a little bit different. Uh, I kind of had to settle down a little bit. Damage your European style. European style is a big thing to say over here, like with your hooks and how you'd move, getting in and out. Whereas that Americans kind of love the, it's like a fight, it's knockouts, it's toe-to-toe. So I kind of had to change style a little bit. Um and that's what we're kind of working on at the moment is just kind of staying more grounded and um, kind of working off punches rather than bouncing in and out all the time. So. 
Yeah, well, and uh, if someone knows how to fight, it's John Duddy, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. It all accounts, he was, uh, I watched food fights now, but i never seen him, obviously, live or else near, but, um, yeah, he was, he's, uh, you can see who he fought and what he's done. It's, it's been pretty impressive. So look forward to seeing what it's like to be a coach. I'm very good. So looking forward to a debut in 2022, you said? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as soon as possible. Um, at the moment, we're kind of looking at the end of January, start of February. So there's a lot of shows popping up here in New York again, thank God. So, so you're, you're, you must be close to kind of fighting fit level if you're training with Dudley, looking at a professional debut in just a couple of months. You must be nearly ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I kind of always been tipping around the last, um, tipping away the last couple of, couple of months since that fight stopped. Mm. That fight was cancelled. Um, but yeah, it's just to get the sparring in now again. So I have no much sparring, obviously, the last few months. And Don, what age are you now? And also, what are your ambitions? I suppose it might be it might be quite ambitious to be saying, I want to fight for a world title. But I suppose no one starts out in professional boxing without, I suppose, having the ultimate dream. Yeah, obviously, yeah. So obviously, like I'm late, I'm 33, starting off. Um, but I thought I feel like when I'm ready and fit enough, I can be a handful for anyone. Like I have the experience there. So I like that I've sparred some of the top guys and some top professionals over here. And when I'm ready, I'm very hard to do it. So I'm looking forward to, I'm just going to give it a go and see and see how quick I can kind of get through fights. And I'm hoping for a busy 2022. And, um, Obviously, like the dream would be to go over here and get back to the garden at some stage, and maybe a Paddy's day in the garden under I think Mick Conlon is fighting or something like that would be it'll be huge for for me. Like, yeah, there's big cards coming up. I, like, if they're not confirmed, but Michael Conlon obviously has his Madison Square Garden connection, could be fighting for the world title there. But there's talk of Katie Taylor fighting against Amanda Serrano. Then there's you see Joe Ward is starting to build a career for himself on the East Coast as well. So hopefully we'll have some. Headline fights there. And I suppose if, like we mentioned earlier on, Irish boxing is so small. If some of those old connections from the past can help you kind of build a big future for yourself in boxing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And over here, and as you said, like, I know Joe's, or, Joe's fighting this Saturday now in the garden under the Lomachenko fight on the Lomachenko card. So he's getting a huge fight on too. But like that, there's Irish over here. And especially for me, the GA circles, like, it's huge. And the last two years, people just want someone to to roar for and support. So mm. people have missed that too. So um, I'm looking forward to it, and just going to keep the head down and keep training, and we'll see what happens. Just before you go, what's the bar like? Uh, you can give the bar a plug there, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a great was, great way to sell tickets. Great home base to have it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's called System McGinty's. It's actually there's actually System McGinty's called or na- it's named after System McGinty's in Roscommon, where I'm from. It's a small town, so the my parent, my 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 sorry, my partner's parents are from the same town I'm from, so that's how they named the bar over 20 years ago. So uh, it's called Sister McGinty's. It's in Astoria. Um, I'm in Astoria a lot. I actually, so I didn't mention this. I do a lot of boxing. I train people over the pandemic. I do a lot of fitness work and personal training in Astoria as well. So I know a lot of people through the through the bar and through the boxing fitness side of it in, in Astoria. It's just, just in Queens. It's only a few minutes from Manhattan. So it's, um, it's going well, good. And um, we got over the pandemic. Okay, yeah. So it's absolutely. And that's, it's, a, it's a great love story as well, Donald. So you're, so in your hometown in Roscommon, 
your partner's parents came home, presumably to see the old country that they, you know, they left years before. No, they brought so the there. So they, yeah, so they were from there. Yeah. Yeah. And then just before Katie, my, my wife was born, they, they moved over here. Yeah. yeah. So brought her back to visit and then met you, fell in love. And now over the course of the pandemic, you've, you've had a child. So you're a, you're a first time father this year as well. So you've a lot more to fight for now too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she's my baby girl. She's three months old now. So it's more than yourself. We spoke about it earlier. It's, it's amazing. And it's, uh, it's all good. Thank God. Well, look, congratulations and best wishes to you and the family going forward. And uh, also looking forward to seeing that debut in 2022. Donald Ward, thanks very much for joining us on the Rocky Road this week. Thank you, Kevin. Take care. Thank you. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.